Following Christ in 2021 is not for the faint of heart. Striving to be a kingdom man isn't about packing up and taking a vacation. It's about getting your mind right, your gear packed, and heading into war. It's more important now than ever before to stand up for what's right and just in the eyes of the Lord and seek His truth. This ain't a cruise ship, fellas. It's a battleship. So buckle up and get ready for the truth, the uncomfortable truth. Welcome back to the show. We're so glad to have you here today. We're playing baseball, my brother and I, in our men's league. This, so we're old, but still playing baseball. Brandon gets up to bat. Here comes the third strike. He swings and misses. And in baseball, third strike, if the catcher drops it or it hits the dirt, and there's nobody on first with less than two outs. I'm getting real technical here. I like it. <laughs> you can run to first, possibly be safe. So he ball hits the dirt. Brandon takes off. Catcher blocks it. Brandon's about three quarters away down the line. Catcher has a ball and fires a rocket. He's got a cannon for men's he, league. He really does. He really does. So I'm gonna say he throws at about 80 miles an hour. Yeah, probably to first so. base. And Brandon just happens to be in the way, and it smokes him in the middle of his back. So as this is a funny sight that I'm remembering now, as it smokes him, he's he's stepping close onto the bag or close to it, and he just flails, <laughs> arms and uh, shoulders back, touches the base, and falls on the ground. I was going to say, did it look like a sniper got him? Yes, it did. It, it really did. did. It Have really you ever did. seen a quail or a duck flying – Looking so smooth, and then that buckshot or that shot hits them, and then they just fall yes. up. That's exactly that was me. That's exactly what it looked like. That's awesome. So a few plays later, Brandon has made his way over to third base, and he's leading off. And we got a pretty good hitter up up there that hits pretty hard. The hitter smokes one down the third base line line drive right in. Brandon's uh, Brandon's back. <laughs> he had just enough time to turn around and take it in almost the exact spot that he had taken the one about three plays Ouch. earlier. There goes the quail falling out of the air again. <laughs> everybody started laughing. It's one of those deals where laughter erupts, and then everybody's like, man, are you okay? <laughs> Welcome to the Uncomfortable Truth. Uh, today is Brandon's day, and... Uh, Always going to open us up in prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for loving us, for giving us this platform to glorify you in the best way we know how, Lord. Lord, we pray for our families. We pray that you will watch over them the remainder of the week, and we pray that you would be with our country. Lord, we pray that you would just lavish us with good health, Lord. Help us to get through this pandemic that uh, we're really hoping and we're on the on the backside of, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray for Brandon today. I pray that he brings this topic to uh, our listeners and that we, everybody, including including us sitting here, get something wonderful out of it. We ask this in your holy and precious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Obi. That's good stuff. So I decided this season that I was going to umpire high school baseball again. And I did this 15 years ago before I went into coaching and teaching, really for perspective to – understand what umpires go through. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with what it's like to be an umpire, you're not a sports fan, being an umpire is like being the person that no one sees 
until you do something wrong or someone disagrees with you. And then you're the center of attention. So think about kickers in the NFL. You know, nobody remembers a kicker's name until they hit a, a great kick to win a game, but typically they remember them for shanking one they should have they should have made. So it has been a blast. One, because I'm doing it for the pure joy of being at the baseball field. Um, it does shine a light on a lot of the things that make you cringe with youth sports, okay? Um, but we're not going to focus on that today. So I'm going to tell you an umpiring story from this season, and I've only been doing this a couple months. Early in the season, we have a big district game. I am in what they call the C position, which is on the third base side behind the pitcher. Okay, so I'm in the field for everybody to see. It's a great game. Ends up finishing 3-2 in 11 innings by two local teams. Wow. And first district game, a lot of intensity, lots of emotion, people yelling and screaming. Now, this is Texas high school baseball. It's very intense, it, no matter what level, if it's good teams playing. Me and my partner uh, behind the plate, pitcher comes set. He does some funky, jerky motion, which is a bulk, but he had not done it, and he did it so fast that my home plate partner and myself can't process it fast enough to call a balk. Okay, so in umpiring a lot of times, you, you have to call the balk before the pitch is delivered. No, I could have right? called it after, but it's not typical. And by the time we had processed what had happened, he's already almost throwing the next pitch. Like, that's how fast it happened. So the third base coach, uh, who is the head coach most of the time in high school baseball, loses his mind. Now, I've been a, a, a head baseball coach in high school. Some of it is for show, okay, just to know that. And you have to take it game by game. You can't hold things against people as long as they're not cussing you or, you know, calling you anything but a child of God. If they're just questioning what you saw, you got to be okay with that. you got to have some thick skin. And he loses his mind. And he won't let the next pitch happen. And finally, I have to say, Coach, we're not going to discuss balks. And later on, I told him we blew that. Okay, it happens. All right. But because of his intensity, I want you to remember that and how he responded. Okay, and this is a younger coach, which I've been there. I want to fast forward to a couple weeks ago. Now, that was about two months ago. Pretty big game. I'm behind the plate umpiring. And there's a runner on third, less than two outs. The coach in the third base batter's box is a veteran coach, been doing it probably over 30 years. And there is a pitch, I call a, a ball, it gets away, the kid from third scores. After that, the coach calls time, and he's coming down towards me. And this is not a typical time for a coach who's just scored a run to come talk to you. So I call time, walk down to him. Nobody can hear us but me and him. He says, hey, Brandon. I said, yeah, coach. He said, is your interpretation of the bulk rule that you have to pause? I said, yes, sir, it is. He said, okay, thanks. Now, <laughs> he walks back to the box, and what he was saying with a question is, I think you just missed the bulk there, and I would not have been pleased if that ball wouldn't have gotten away and we wouldn't have scored this run. The bulk. A bulk is where, as a pitcher, when you come set, okay, so the, the stretch is when your hands are apart and you come set, you must pause for at least one second. 
And so his question was, is your interpretation of that rule that you must pause, which it is. And I may or may not have missed it. It was iffy. But the point I want to make here is this. The ability to have something go your way or create the situation you want is so much more powerful and possible with a question than with a statement. Now, that guy's got 30 years of experience. He knew the run scored. Even if it didn't, he knew that he had put a seed of question in my mind for me to evaluate myself. Now, the other young coach, who I like a lot, and it's not personal, okay, he informed me of how atrocious of a miscall it was, okay, for everybody to see, okay? And so how does that tie into my topic today? I'm going to kind of try to bring two points together. So I'm reading this book called Family Driven Faith. A dear friend of mine recommended it. That's one of our clients. And literally, I'm 30 pages in. And if you've ever read a book and you're 30 pages in and you're like, God, did you have this person write this book for me to punch me in the gut? (laughs) That's this kind of book, okay? And everything I read it, and I'm like, golly. So Family Driven Faith by Vodi, or Vadi, I'm not even sure you say that, Bauckham Jr. And here's the subtitle. What it doing what it takes to raise sons and daughters who walk with God. Okay. Now, the sports are always a part of mine and Shane's life, and obviously Sean and Obi's too, if you've listened to us at all. But there are some things that he says in here that just punch me in the chin. Okay. So first is regard to wisdom and how we raise our families. We are called to be the leader of our families. I don't think there's any denying that in in our beliefs and what we believe the Bible says, okay? So I'm going to pose this question, you guys. I'm going to go into a few other thoughts, and then it'll give you time to think on it, and then I'll bring some more insight from the book in. What do you guys want most for your children? And really your family, okay, your, your wife, your children, okay? What do you guys want most for your family, your wife and your children? So Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. the Sadducees are trying to catch Jesus in a lie, basically, okay? And if you remember, Matthew was a very specific, detail-oriented um, writer okay so they're trying to catch jesus and jesus says basically what is the most important you know commandment and obviously it's to love your god okay and then the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself okay the point that vadi bakum is making in this book is is he says if I don't consider my wife and my children as the most important neighbor I have, then my priorities are out of line after loving God, okay? And I know personally I pour into lots of things and my family comes after that. And and that's not something that I'm proud of, but I'm learning to grow in that instead of beat myself up over that, okay? So... There are a couple of key points, and we'll cir- circle back around. <clears throat> he says, it's my, my relationship with my wife and children that gives legitimacy to my walk with Christ. 
So if people say that you're a great God-fearing man and you wouldn't want them to truly see how you lead your family behind closed doors, behind closed doors you're not really being a legitimate leader for Christ. And I was like, okay. You know, I'm, I'm 20. I, I text my buddy. I'm like, I really wish you wouldn't recommend this book to me. <laughs> All right. Um, and then here's the other one for sports related. He said, if I teach my son to keep his eye on the ball, baseball related, but fail to keep his eyes on Christ, I have failed him as a father. Okay. It's powerful. No doubt. No doubt. Because at the end of the day, what is our number one hope, prayer, passion for our children and our wife? And because I feel it's important to not always talk about our flaws, here's my questions on top of that question. Okay. One, how are you doing this already? I want you to brag on yourself a little bit. You guys are all humble. I know you won't overdo it. Okay. You don't want to, but I'm going to make you or try to Two, How do you think you can get better at this? All right. So what is, what do you want most for your children or your family? And then one thing that you feel like you're doing pretty good at that maybe our listeners can go, Hey, I need to try that. And then another thing that you want to be better at. And I'll throw that out there and then we'll circle back around. And as always, we'll have a great conversation on it. I think the simple answer um, for me is uh, eternal salvation. You know, uh, I want my, my children and in, in, in my legacy um, to have a, a ripple effect through my children um, and their relationship with the Lord and that they, um, they have eternal salvation, you know, and their hope is in Christ. That's where it, it starts and ends. That's what I know is right. Um, now I'm not saying that, um, uh, now no question. Um, all of my children are born again, Christians. And, uh, and so, and so is my wife and, uh, you know, and I'm very, I'm very proud. I'm, I'm very proud and excited about that. Um, however, um, you know, it, it kind of goes back to, we had a guest, um, a, a few, weeks ago, uh, Chris Gordy, and it kind of goes back to what he said, you know, you, you have to have, it starts with God and then having your family in order first. And, um, where I feel like I struggle and where I'm, I'm weak, um, weaker than I like to admit is making sure that, um, my time, you know, uh, starting with my, my wife and, and, and children, um, you know, being more, more time efficient and more efficient with my time and, and making sure that I'm uh, not only spending time with them uh, in their extracurricular activities, but also uh, when it comes to uh, praying with them, making sure that we're in church, you know, uh, every Sunday, uh, getting educated, uh, and, you know, really trying to help educate them more whenever it comes to, um, you know, just being being uh, Christians and being plugged in. And uh, so... That's, uh, I think, a place in my life where I feel like uh, I struggle. But no question, eternal salvation is my default uh, answer whenever it comes to my legacy and where I want that to be, you know, with, for them. No doubt. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll go next. I think that absolutely, Sean, you know, I, I, we, want, we want our kids to have uh, um, 
a flourishing and a, and a wonderful relationship with the Lord. You know, that's, that's certainly, you know, the highest rung on the ladder for me. Um, you know, to get a little bit more specific in that, uh, it's, it's extremely important to me and something that I think about a lot when I'm pouring into my kids and when I'm helping my kids work through their problems uh, when we're working through those problems together is I want to make sure that my kids know where their strength comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want, I, I feel like that we have uh, such a big problem in our world um, from people looking to fill their void and overcome things with all the wrong things there. I mean, we've got a, opioid epidemic, you know, in our, in our world, um, you know, people turn to drugs, they turn to alcohol, they turn to, um, sex, you know, they turn to, they turn to all of these things that are of the devil and, um, and, and the, you know, this, this path that, that the devil can really, lead you down because they see everyone else turning to that and they think that they're going to somehow get some sense of fulfillment from it. Um, so it's, it's super important to me that my kids understand that all of their strength comes from the Lord and the Lord is going to be the only way that they're going to get out of the adversity and the struggles and the sufferings that they're going to deal with, you know, and so it's it's super important to me to um, find different and unique ways for them to uh, see how their mother and I walk through those those sufferings and those times of need. Um, and as far as you know, ways that I feel like I drop the ball, um, you know, there are many of them. Um, you know, I, you know, I just, we, we dropped the ball a lot, but, um, I absolutely have a difficult time leaving work at work. Um, I think we probably all have, have that problem. You know, we, we get home and, uh, you know, I listened to a Matt Chandler sermon one time talking about that and just talking about how, um, when, what he does, his routine. You know, and and how literally he drives, he he pulls in the driveway and he prays before he gets out of the truck. And he just prays that for the next however many hours until he lays his kids down to go to bed, that he can pour into them and give them the same attention and love that he just gave the last eight to ten hours at work. And um, I can honestly sit here and tell our listeners and tell everybody at this table that I am terrible at that. Um, I'll second that. Yeah. Not for you, or, for, but yeah. for me. Me too. I'm just, I'm just terrible at it. And that's such a terrible excuse. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've got a coaster that sits on my desk in one of my offices that says uh, the measure of a man is how tall he stands in the eyes of his family. And, and, um, and I believe that (laughs) I believe that. And so it just doesn't make sense that I would, um, not pour the same amount of energy, love, time and commitment into my family that I do into my work. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be there, you know, texting and 
talking to coworkers and, uh, you know, continuing to work and figure out ways maybe to deal with something that I'm going to be dealing with tomorrow uh, while my kids are wanting to play catch or wanting me to pay attention to them and and um, wanting some something. And they need it, you know, and, and I'm like, I have no excuse, you know. And so uh, that's that's where I have got to get better. I've got to get better in that department. One of those things, so I've started listening to the book that you're reading right now, When the Day, one of the things that, and I'm not very far into it, but uh, the, one of the first things that he talks about is uh, daytime compartments. And basically, um, the Lord teaches us and tells us to, like, our job is today. His job is yesterday and tomorrow. Right. Um, and to rely on him for those things and, and don't, why worry about tomorrow? That There's a verse in the Bible that says, don't worry about tomorrow. Like, don't do it, period. Uh, but we do. And so what really spoke to me there was, because I do this, let today be today. The Lord's going to take care of you. Some things are going to go right. Some things are going to go wrong in my eyes, okay? But as long as I'm walking in his will and his plan, then I should have nothing to worry about. It's a lot easier to frame something that way to me, it, it finally sunk in, I guess is what I'm saying, um, at least for the past week, maybe. Until <laughs> <laughs> next week. Yeah. Yeah. So to back to Brandon's question, um, this is not a decision that I made solely, but it was a group decision. Might step on some toes here, and that is not my intention. Um, if the Lord's speaking to you through what I'm about to say, great. If you don't feel like he is. That's okay, too. My daughter plays uh, select softball. She's 12 years old, and she started playing select softball when she was probably, I think, 10. And so we formed a team. or the, We have a great coach. He's a godly man, and I, I'm very thankful for him and our other coaches that coach her team. But when we formed this team and when we decided to play on this team, we made sure that uh, we had parents of the same mindset and ideals that we have as Christians. And one of the things that we decided when we started this team was we're not playing ball on Sundays. Now, if you know select sports, you know that every tournament has games on Sundays. Not only that, championship games. Absolutely. So you play your two pool games Saturday morning, and then you, you play one or two bracket games Saturday afternoon and evening. And then if you win those games, you're usually two or three games from the championship. So now I won't say that that is a every-time deal. We do pick out a couple tournaments a year to let our girls see, you know, can we do this? Can we make it? Can we win the championship? Because we're out there to, com- we're out there to compete whatever day we're playing on. We don't want to teach them to give up because we're not playing a certain day. But we know that our kids listen and see more based on our actions, not our words. And so that is just, that's a decision that we made as parents to say, hey, look, we're going we're gonna to place value on Sunday and going to church over playing softball. I know at some point we may play some softball on Sunday. I, I think we will, as, as our daughter gets older and our, some of our kids get older and they, you know, you, you play these select, tournaments or you play these like college lookout tournaments I don't know that'll come okay God says worry about worry about today right 
But what I also know is that that in turn has placed importance in our kids' lives that play on that team to value going to church on Sundays or being in the Word on Sundays. And, you know, I, I, I even hesitate to talk about it because I know us in this room and a lot of people out there may take offense to that stance. Yeah, you can, wor- you can worship the Lord out on the baseball field on Sunday. You could worship the Lord in a boat on Sunday. You could worship him at a, at a golf course on Sunday. I don't personally I don't think there's anything wrong with missing church now and again or as long as we're we're worshiping God, but I I believe he calls us to be in the presence of other believers and we just we wanted to take that seriously. So that really brings in and ties us all together well. I love that from all of you guys. Um so another statement he made after the uh, keeping your eye on the ball but not seeing Christ as your, your heavenly father, as he said, and I think this is going to frame exactly what Shane just said, we must refuse to allow trivial temporal pursuits to interfere with the main thing. Making the team is a tremendous achievement. However, it must be put into proper perspective. No sports endeavor will ever be as important as becoming a man or a woman of God. Amen. And I think that's where Shane's point of our children doing what they see much more than what we say. So let's go back to the beginning story. How did that coach know to ask me a question that would be more impactful than the loud verbal? There you go. Experience. He's probably... He's probably been that loud verbal coach. He probably has. Probably didn't go his way, too. Probably. And he knew... That if I ask this umpire this question, it's in his court. Whatever happens from there, he will take ownership of it the next time. And I won't have to get out of my character to do that. And I think that was ingenious, man. That, Just, oh, mean, it like, was I, like I, I walked away props to that like, coach stunned. The, I was the, like the more I think about that, I mean the more I think about how powerful that that truly was. Yes. And I would tell you that a little side note on this coach, he's very humble, he's very respectful, he's very complimentary when he sees he he has realized that pouring into people in the profession he's in is the best way to be successful. And right. I don't mean grace. Winning. Grace. There yeah. you go. Sounds like sounds like he shows his lot of pl- his players and everybody involved in his sport a lot of grace. No doubt. Can I get on a soapbox for a second? Yeah. If if your kids play sports, I'm not even talking about the Sunday deal. Um, you know, let me go back to that real quick. I don't want to sound like holier than thou or anything like that. That's not why we do it. Uh, that's what, not why we don't play on Sundays. But if your kid plays sports, Dixie League or, or whatever it is, on the lower levels, most of those umpires and refs are high school kids. Okay? Mm-hmm. They are going to mess up. Even when you get older and you have older umpires, they are human. They are going to mess up. Do not lose your mind. Please, that is somebody's kid out there refereeing your kid. Mm-hmm. It is not worth it. It is better to show grace. Let it go and play the game. Please. I actually believe, and Shane, to add to this, that now here's some wisdom for you because I didn't. I would have never said this 15 years ago coaching. Okay. One of the best ways to teach our children God's grace is in moments that they love the most. 
and it's by our actions. If my son sees, and and I am I am preaching to myself. Okay, I am not saying I don't do this or haven't. If my son sees me yelling and screaming at an official, and I tell him to love people and give them grace like God gives us, come on, people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I mean, if I just lost my mind on an umpire, mm-hmm. and then I'm talking about grace, let's go to church. Yeah, let's go to church. <laughs> right, and and it's and I think it's where and. This is this is why this book's punching me in the gut. I think it's where we have convoluted what is acceptable and what we want our children to experience because we justify it by saying, I want them to experience the same thing all their friends experience. Well, listen, people, and I'm talking to myself again. Everybody doesn't believe in Jesus the way we do. So we might have to be different. In fact, we're called to be. Hey, bro. Can I uh, tell a story that's humbling? Yeah, I guess. Wait, it's your <laughs> wait. It's your story, and I want you to tell it. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is uh, your story where you were coaching. I believe it was in Grapeland. It was in Jefferson. And, and Dad Jefferson. Me. Yeah, yeah. Let, right. Let's hear that story because that that really lines up here. Okay. So for any of you who know my dad, Shane and I's dad, um, he's a man of few words, and I would say as we've aged. And we've become friends in the healthy path. I think you're supposed to, as you have a God-fearing father who leads you into manhood. It goes from being, I'm your protector and want what's best for you, even if you're an idiot, because you're going to be, to one of your best friends. And I know I've heard you guys talk about that too. So 27 years old, I'm coaching in Jefferson, Texas, and coaching is my life. Sports are my life at this at this moment. And... Had a good group of kids, and I, I cringe telling the story. Um, and I had been riding them hard verbally, kind of like that young coach riding me as an umpire. And everything they they did, I had something to say, okay? And it was loud. It wasn't in a question. It was in a statement. And my dad never misses a game, still, to this day. Yeah, growing up, anything that we do, even like our men's league stuff, he still comes to the most, there. most games. Uh, great, great example of leading by action, okay? Even for our kids, he does the same thing. And my mother, both of them. Um, anyway, uh, the whole seven innings, I'm, I'm on them. And I can look back on this and vividly remember this, okay? And this wasn't just a one-time thing. It was building, okay? So my dad's been watching this for a while. Hadn't said anything to me. I don't remember if we win or lose, truthfully. There's a story in that as well, Okay. Next morning, I vividly remember being parked in this certain parking spot right before time to go in for my first class as a, a teacher and a coach. My phone rings. It's my dad, and I pick up. And here's the gist of it. There wasn't much said, but this is what was said. He said, Brandon, if I ever witness you coaching and teaching or trying to teach your players in the manner that I saw last night, I will never come to another one of your games. Wow. Have a good day. I'm talking about, I barely, I barely made it inside the building. Yeah. Okay. Because the reality is, is that his action, and he would probably sit here and tell us he failed as a parent over and over again. Okay. But his actions were already there that set the foundation for his words. Right. Okay. So, 
if anybody gets anything out of this as parents or, or soon to be parents, how consistently are you able to say in God's will to set the foundation for your words to match up to that so your kids go, you know what? I've seen that over and over again. So this question they're asking me, I have a foundation to go to. And that's where it's all about winning today for Jesus. Because I am as guilty as anyone on getting consumed with what I haven't done that I fail to remember what I still can do. Amen. Good stuff. Good Good stuff. Thank you guys and gals for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here. If you would, do us a huge favor and leave us a review or a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Go out. Oh, Bible verse, Bible verse. It is uh, Matthew 22, 39. I've got it pulled up right here. Twenty Matthew 22, 39. And the second is like it. Here, I'll read 37. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go out and kick the day in the face. And we'll catch you on the next one.